At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to this episode of Astros Baseball. On this episode, we're going to talk about the new 2024 Pocota projections, kind of look at the past and see how well they do. I know my boy Wally's got a lot of stats coming up. And we're also going to talk about playing time in center field with the uh, the talk about DH uh, from Espada and what that's going to how that's going to affect stuff. And also, he mentioned about adding a pitcher and what's that going to do to the payroll. We also have a small story on Ken Emanuel Super Bowl, and uh, that might be about it. But joining me today, Wally and Ryan. What's up, fellas? doing well we're just waiting for the season some things are starting to to move i the rest of us i think we're all waiting to see what happens with these last set of free agents and especially the pitchers they've got to be looking at their agents saying give me a job (laughs) yeah it's uh it's it's going to be interesting i've been a little under the weather so if i sound a little stuffy today i'm going to work through this and uh, use the uh, the cough button here and mute myself in case any come up. But uh, glad to be on with you guys. Sorry I missed the last couple. You guys knocked it out of the park. And uh, let's get into it. Well, I definitely use the cough button quite a bit. And sometimes you do a show by yourself, and uh, you still do it, but it's just like <laughs> it's going to be quiet while you're doing it. Yep. Um, so this is something I love talking about, guys. I love – when they come out with the uh, Pocota projections. And uh, let's dive into it. Let's start with the American League. We're going to focus on the American League, actually, for a while. But the AL East, they got the Yankees winning 94.2, the Blue Jays 88.1, Baltimore 86.7, Tampa Bay 86.5, and Boston 79.4. So they got almost every every team in the AL East projected to win about 80 games. But for me, the biggest surprise is Baltimore. How do, well, how do they have Baltimore falling down into third place with 86.7 games? What's your thoughts on the uh, projections there in the AL East? Well, one thing with Baltimore last year, their projections, if you do their Pythagorean projection, it was at 95. They ended up at 101. Uh, I'm not sure I agree with Baltimore falling off like this because uh, their young players are going to get better. But it sure seems like Pakota is saying, you know, they they overperformed what their projection should have been. So we're going to we're going to hit them on the projection this year. Eighty seven seems about 10 games low to me. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree. I and mean, you have to give them a little bit of love uh, for adding Corbin Burns. I mean, that's, you know, man, they already won 101 with the pitching staff and and didn't really experience any fall off. Uh, so adding Corbin Burns, I think, is is a huge plus for those guys. Um, you know, Jackson Holiday is supposedly getting a shot um, at shortstop. And 
It'll be interesting to see if he's able to come up and do something at the major league level. I don't see Baltimore falling to third place in that division. I really don't. Um, I see them giving the Yankees a run for their money, despite some of the moves that the Yankees made. Baltimore is not. They didn't slouch off to the point of third. Toronto hasn't really made very many moves either. So um, I think the mm-hmm. first three spots there in the American League East are are really almost a toss-up, to be honest with you. It'll be interesting to see how some of the young guys on Baltimore continue to perform. Um, that's probably going to be the big key to what happens with those top three slots, in my opinion, is how many of those young guys continue to, to perform at the high level and um, are they able to replicate some of the things that they did last year? All right, and so I think look- one thing last year is one thing last year is that they didn't. No one expected them really to play, and it's something about playing when you're not expected. You can play fast and lose. It's going to be really interesting to see how they react when they're expected to to win. There's going to be so a lot more season, pressure on this year than last. Than last last year. season, the the uh, Pocota projection for Baltimore was 74 and 88 and they won one they won 101 games plus 27 they won 27 more games than projected uh Tampa Bay so the Yankees were projected number 1 98 and 64 and they finished fourth they the Yankees lost 16 more games than projected Toronto was uh predicted to finish second at 90 and 72 and they won 89 games and finished third Tampa Bay was predicted to win 86, and they won 99, so they were plus 13. And then Boston predicted to win 80, and they won 79. So I think part of the projections for the uh, – the, the reason that the Yankees are always at the top is that they have a lot of star power. And now they, they added Juan Soto, I believe. And that's why they get projected so high – and you see that these other guys outdid their projections so much because I think the Yankees get so much credit, and maybe they get more than they deserve. I'm not sure. I, th- I think they do. Uh, year after year, that lineup has got lots of star power, but it's so poorly constructed. Well, I, I think, you know, the interesting thing about what happened last year, and this may be one of those deals that you're saying, if, if looking at last year's is, you know, Baltimore started off the season really, really great. Um, and I think that that's kind of the projections. I don't know if you if you go back to baseball perspectives and you scroll down past the uh, the projections, the the numbers, um, and you look at the, the bell curve graphs that they have in there, they're kind of projecting Baltimore to do the same thing, start off the season really great, uh, and then kind of, you know, kind of taper off a little bit. So I think they're expecting, you know, they're expecting those young guys to maybe not have uh, a full season of of what they've had before. And then uh, they show the Yankees kind of, you know, catching fire a little bit more midway through the season uh, and, and really maintaining. And I think that that may be the thing that puts the Yankees above is that they might just have that staying power that a team full of young guys might not have um, and Toronto kind of the same way, you know, they've got a lot of just guys that have been there kind of done that. Um, they've got some good veteran talent in there that knows how to sustain a full season of decent baseball. And so that may be the the make or break here. When we look at those top three spots in the AL East. 
I'm not sure if it yeah, was speak- last year. Sorry, Wally. I just want to. Was it last year that the Yankees started off really, really good, and then they made all these moves at the uh, trade deadline, and then they went down? Like, like it seemed like they had a lot of good chemistry, and they ruined it. Was years, ruined it was year before. It was 2022. I think so, because uh, last year, correct me if I'm wrong. It didn't seem like they ever really caught fire. It seemed like they never got out of first gear. Looking at, you know, when you look at the Yankees lineup, the the projected lineup, we talk about where do they where do they uh, land versus their projection. You know, the lineup has holes right now. They're looking at LeMahieu playing third on a day-to-day basis. He's 35, and he's best as being a spot player moving around. Um, you look at the, the starting pitch, and it looks good, but you've got with, – with Cole on top, and then you've got Rodon and Stroman, well – Rodon and Stroman have had injury issues. Um, you know, if they don't make it, you know, if they get hurt, what happens? It doesn't seem to have a whole whole ton of depth that they can call on if these guys get hurt. Somebody's going to get hurt during the season. The Astros showed that last year that a, a depth in starting pitching or what seemed to be a, a lockdown strength turned out to be very questionable. Yeah, the Astros started out well and, and faltered at the end with the uh, starting pitching, or they'd be the World Series champs again. Uh, let's take a look at the American League Central. They have Minnesota winning the division with 88.7 wins. Cleveland finishing second, 83.6. The Tigers in third with 75. Kansas City winning 70 games. And the Chicago White Sox, 65.9 games. For me, looking at this, it seems about right. It's going to be Minnesota or Cleveland in my mind. Yeah, I mean, Kansas City has been super busy uh, in free agency, you know, and and I think that they grabbed some pieces that can really help them, but I don't think that they grabbed the kind of guys that really moved the needle a ton, you know. Um, mm-hmm. The Tigers added a couple of veteran additions, but, um, you know, I, I think that when you look at that, um, when you when you look at that division, Minnesota, they've just got the better pieces. They just really do. They've got the standout pieces that make the difference in that division. As horrible as that division is, Minnesota's got the pieces that just make it stand out. No, there's there's nobody else there that can really. Um, you know, do what Cleveland did two years ago and surprise the heck out of everybody. Uh, you know, that was an anomaly, and I don't think it's going to happen again. So I think this is an easy one to pick with the Twins taking the Central. Twins won last year with Correa doing virtually nothing. You know, you got to expect Correa is going to going to respond. Uh, the Guardians, I'm not sure what you're going to get out of the Guardians. The Tigers and the Royals look like. Uh, especially the Royals have have bought, you know, serviceable veterans who are going to at least hold the fort while their young kids develop, and the and the White Sox just look to be an absolute mess. <laughs> it's crazy because they had such a good pitching staff and Luis Robert and Tim Anderson. I mean, they had some really good players, but they're underperforming pretty well. So let's take a look at twenty twenty three. They projected Minnesota to win at 88 and 74, but they actually projected them to tie with Cleveland. 
and the Sox, 78-84, Detroit 65-97, and Kansas City 62-100. and 100. So Minnesota projected to win, and they did. Cleveland projected to tie for first. They got third. The White Sox third. They got fourth, and the, the surprise in that division uh, Detroit was projected to win 65 games and they won 78 and finished second. And Kansas City 56 and 106. Not good there in Kansas City. Yeah. Hmm. That's brutal. Of course, <laughs> the Astros 10 years ago, we know brutal's all about. <laughs> We've been through brutal. So let's go ahead and talk oh, about let's go ahead and talk about the Astros and the American League West. I, I don't, I mean, I guess y'all can explain it to me a little bit more because I don't really follow other teams. I'm really just focused on the Astros. But Houston is not projected to win the division with 94.8 wins. Texas, 86 wins. The defending champions. Seattle, 85 wins. LA Angels, 73 wins. Poor Mike Trout. And Oakland, 63 wins. How pathetic is that to have one of the best players in the league and he's just stuck on a team that's just horrible? Oh, no. He's he's like our, our generation's version of Ernie Banks. You know, play, great player on team that just stinks every year. <laughs> um, the now Everybody is selling the Rangers short, and I really don't know why. I don't either. Um the the pitching. only thing that I can look at pitching. is the pitching. Mm-hmm. Is the pitching because you've got Degrom and Scherzer around, and it looks like their their starting uh, their starting rotation is going to be Eovaldi, Gray, Heaney, Dunning, and Bradford. So that doesn't scare anybody. And Gray, if Gray gets hurt, as Gray can get they, hurt, they also this don't have Montgomery, really right? No, Jordan. Montgomery's still out. They had Jordan Montgomery they, last. They could they could still bring him back theoretically, but yeah, he's still there. They just recently signed on to their their RSP, um, their RSN, excuse me, and so they have a better idea of what their their income is going to be with the regional sports network being done. Mm-hmm. Uh, bringing back uh, bring back Jordan just makes a lot of sense to them. I mean, they, they, you're talking about a team that needs that arm. They need that arm. DeGrom is going to come back August. Scherzer is July. Mm-hmm. Uh, even when a guy comes back from, from Tommy John, it takes a while for that, for that performance to pick up. So I, whatever they get from those guys is going to be found money. Yeah, I mean, you've got, you've got an offense that's rated, you know, probably top five right a top five rated offense um but i'm pretty sure that i saw their pitching rated in the bottom 10. so i think that when it comes to these projections that's what they're really looking at you know is um you know do scherzer and degrom come back um you know does tyler mall contribute at all to uh any any wins um if they need him right and they've got just the their bullpen is just kind of patched together you know, David Robertson, pretty good, right? That was a decent pickup. Uh, I think they overpaid a little bit for him. Uh, his 11 or $12 million a year contract made Josh Hader's contract look pretty good to me. Um, but Hernandez, Anderson, you know, Lats, um, Yates, Brock Burke, Spores. none of those names. Yeah, Spores, LeClerc, 
you know, none of those guys really strike a lot of fear into the rest of the league. Um, when you're looking at 60, 65 innings pitched between the majority of some of those guys, do they have the staying power? Because a lot of those guys last year really didn't. Um, and the end of the season, they proved why their bullpen was the issue for them. And the ALCS proved why um, Bochi only had uh, faith in a couple of guys that he ran out there every single, you know, at the end of every single game. They had starters that for whatever reason, again, the Astros weren't hitting at home. Their starters went deep into the game. He didn't have to play in the middle of his bullpen. Um, you can't do that during the course of a season, uh, 162 yeah. games. So I think that that's, that's going to be their Achilles heel. Um, you know, since 2010, seven of the 13 teams that won the World Series didn't make the playoffs. And so, you know, both Pakoda and Fangraphs have the Rangers even as a, as a borderline playoff team next year. So it'll be interesting yeah. to see what happens with the Rangers. So the playoff schedule really worked into their really worked into into their favor because with the with the starters doing well, they didn't have to get into that bullpen at all. Yeah. So you speak of the playoffs. This is according to Pakoda only. I know there's other there's other people that have projections and stuff, but Houston would be the one seed by six tenths of a point. Yankees number two, Minnesota three. That's your division winners. And it has Toronto, Baltimore, and Tampa Bay. It's almost the entire AL East making it. And uh and it also ha- it also has percentage points. It has Houston 91%, the Yankees 89%, Minnesota 76, Toronto 64, Baltimore 55, Tampa Bay 53, but it gives the Rangers a 52.8% chance of just making the playoffs. And another team that I think can challenge the Astros is the Mariners, 46.6% chance. But the Astros, 91% chance of making the playoffs. Yeah, don't sleep on the Mariners. Of course not. I, I We won't because we play them all the time in the division. We know how good they are. The teams that are on the low side, Oakland has a 0.1% chance. Chicago White Sox, 0.1% chance. Kansas City, 1.2% chance. And the Angels and Mike Trout, this is what I said earlier, a 3.3% chance of making the playoffs. That's pathetic. What's sad about a guy like Trout is that this team doesn't have a chance of making the playoffs, and Trout is getting to the age where people really aren't going to give anything for him. Especially with yeah, that and it just amazes it just amazes me with the money that Art Moreno has there in L.A. You know, I know he plays second fiddle to the Dodgers. Whatever, there's still plenty of money there in in L.A. and with his deal that he's got um, that he could field a team, but he just continues to not care uh, and just not either invest in the right people in the front office that know what they're doing. Um, because you can't say that he hasn't spent money. He's, you know, they're always in the top 20 of the league money, you know, with money. Um, it's just, it just baffles me. It's so, it's just so weird to see that the second team in LA is so bad every single year. Um, and you've got quality names on a team like that. And, and at the top of that list of names being, you know, Mike Trout, you had Otani and you couldn't do anything with it can even sniff the playoffs it's <laughs> it's wild that's why otani left yep 
Yep. So looking at uh, the projections in the American League West, this is almost the last thing I have before we go to the National League. I have the 2022 and 2023. Like in 2022, the Astros won the World Series. They were, were projected to win 91. And they won 106. They won 15 more games. And then last season, the Rangers were projected to go 78 and 84. And they went 90 and 72. So they won 12 more games than they were projected. Um, I guess they did okay last year. The LA Dodger, LA Angels were, were projected to finish second. Seattle's projected to finish third and Texas fourth. So LA Rangers surprised Angels, everybody. Yeah, the, the Angels underperformed everybody. big time. Yeah. And that's the thing is is it uh is is was last year a flash in the pan, you know, and that was that's gonna be the big question this year for those guys. Yep. The Astros have the staying power. I I made the TikTok video and I've brought it up on here already. It's you know, I said, Okay, the Nationals beat us. Where are they at? Have they won another one? We got yep. knocked out by the Rays. Have they won a World Series? We got knocked out by the Red Sox. Where are they at? So it's like every team that's beaten us, where are they at now? We're still here. Yep. Is that going to be the Rangers? Are they going to be one and done like everybody else? Are they going to stick around and compete for World Series again and again and again like us? That's the question. Yeah, I think that, you know, obviously the setup with the core of the Astros has been huge. Um, but pitching has by far been the thing that's driven the Astros' success over those years. And it's really hard to keep quality pitching together and continue to get, you know, 150 innings out of a guy that's going to pitch a three, 3.2 ERA. Um, and the Astros has a, you know, the Astros have a barn full of those kind of guys uh, <laughs> for some reason. And when you have that kind of a setup with your pitching staff and you have a core of players like Bregman, Altuve, you know, Tucker, uh, in Jordan, it's it's insanely hard to not be successful aside from, you know, dealing with certain injuries, which I think last year being kind of the anomaly for the Astros was we had significant injuries from significant guys at the same time. Uh, and it caused, you know, it, it caused them it cost them probably, you know, eight or 10 games. I feel like I feel yeah. last year's the, the composition of last year's team was another 100-win season team um, with those with those injuries to Jordan and Altuve through the core middle of the season there. Um, they, you know, that cost you eight or ten or more games, and I, I think that that was the, the, the backbreaker as far as season record. Obviously, it didn't matter that much when it came to the playoffs. Um, they still performed well, even though they didn't make the World Series run, but you know, looking at the projections here and seeing what they're looking at, pitching is again the strength of of this team in its staying power. You know, they're projecting 197 innings from Fromber, 153 from Verlander, and 152 from Javier. Uh, Hunter Brown, whether he's a starter or from the bullpen, they're estimating 140 innings from him, you know. So there's some of those questions that we continue to bring up and we say, you know, what's the Astros going to do? But when you start digging into those numbers and you start looking at those names and and the projections being based somewhat on historical numbers and what these guys have done in the past, it's it's hard not to have a a level of confidence that this team does more than the 95 games that they're projected. One thing that also that the Astros have done so well is when you look at a team is is developed the most inconsistent, the hardest thing to put together. 
is a strong bullpen every year. You know, bullpens, pitching is, is notoriously volatile. Bullpens are even more volatile, volatile than the starters. And the Astros have a good bullpen every year. Uh, when you look at the guys they let go, Maton, uh, Maton go, they let Neris go, and they let Stanek go. Uh, they gave very little uh, thought about really signing Maton. I think they would have signed Neris, but Neris was 35. Stanek is still surprisingly without a job. Yeah, you know they did bring guys in. They added by adding Hater. They they essentially moved everybody back an inning, mm-hmm. and so there's nothing to think that they won't be a good again this year. Yeah, we'll get into the pitching for the Astros a little later. But uh, let's look at the National League. They have the Atlanta Braves winning the East with Philadelphia in second, the Mets in third, Miami, and then Washington, who beat the Astros. National League Central, this is a toss-up every year. St. Louis, 84, Cubs, 80, Milwaukee, 79, Cincinnati, 77, which Cincinnati could win this division, and then Pittsburgh, 72, and in the West, the Dodgers 101.9, so they give them the best record. Arizona 85, so they got the Dodgers running away with that. San Francisco 81, San Diego 79. I remember San Diego. Uh, they got, they just grabbed all of these players, and now they just a 79 projected winning team. And then Colorado, the Oakland A's of the National League 57. So, what are y'all's thoughts on any of these National League projections? I think the central is the most interesting one, right? With Seattle going from worst to first, basically in those projections, you know, Um, but it's easy to see. I mean, it's easy to see why, right? I mean, they added Sonny Gray, Lance Lynn, Kyle Gibson. They picked up a bullpen arm that I don't remember what his name is. Um, You know, there's still a, a fairly decent young team now that they've kind of spent some time at the bottom. So, they're spending a little bit of money to bring in some arms. Um, so I think it'll be interesting to see what really happens with this. I can see why those projections are what they are, um, but you still have to put those pieces together. It, it's just kind of like San Diego a couple of years ago, everybody. Uh, and even last year, everybody expected them to be at the top of the heap. They're fighting, you know, neck to neck with the Dodgers. Um and they had all this money spent and all these big names on that team. They just couldn't put the pieces together on the field and make it work. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, Central is always a toss-up. Any any of those top four teams outside of Pittsburgh could could make a run at winning that division for sure. You know, the Braves are the best until proven otherwise. The Phillies will give them a run. I just don't think they've got enough horses. Dombrowski's still about still liable to make a move. I could see him making a move for Montgomery. Um, we'll see what happens with the Mets. They can't be as bad as they were last year. The you know, the the the, the central is kind of a pickup stick. You, you know, you you put a blindfold on, stick your hand into a jar and pull a name out, and that team could win as well as any any of the other ones. You know, the Dodgers should win. The Diamondbacks are going to be better than they were last year on the record even though they only won seven, 84 games. We talked about it one of the other shows, but the thing that comes back to me on the Dodgers that could really cause them issues is when you look at their, their pitching staff, it looks like it should be okay, but you've got two guys, Glasnow and Paxton, who are still, uh, who are still injury prone. 
Yamamoto looks like he's got it, but he's a Jap. They say he's the, the most prepared Japanese player to come over to the U.S., but you don't know until he gets over here. And, and is he going to be able to pitch on a five-man rotation rather than once a week? Then you've got Bobby Miller, who was fine last year, and Sheehan, who were fine. But they're young pitchers. You just don't know what you're going to get. Yeah. Yeah, and you might be lucky to get 50 innings out of Kershaw if he ends up coming back when they think he's going to come back, right? So that's where the question marks are. And it's funny that they've, I don't know, I still think it's funny that they've got him at 101 wins with how many question marks they they really have. They're going to win it all on offense. If that that pitching staff goes south, you know, you could get the offense starting to press. It could, you know, you just never know. Yeah. So there's a couple of guys just that I wrote down. Jordan Montgomery, Blake Snell. They they sign with any one of these teams. It's going to add wins to their total. This is all going to change uh, when people sign. This isn't this isn't set in stone, folks. It is just uh, it can, it can still move. There's still people out there. Uh, but let's move on to this topic here. So uh, a spotta. He said he wanted, and we we've already talked about this, but we didn't really get into it. He wanted Jordan to play more left field, and I'm all for that because he's a good left fielder for one, and also he hits better. He hits better when he's uh, playing left field minus that. But one thing interesting that, uh, and this this shows you how much respect Espada has for for this young player. He said Yiner Diaz. He would like to keep him in the lineup when getting a day off from catching. So when Caratini comes in, he still wants Shiner Diaz in that lineup, and that'll put Jordan in left field. So the question is this, folks. This is a question I have for both of you and whoever's listening. If Jake Myers is supposed to be the full-time starting center fielder, what does this do for Chaz? Like, how are they, how are they going to have an all-time starting center fielder if Jordan's going to be in left field at least half the time or something like that. Beer league softball for outfielders. <laughs> the, Chaz in left center and, and Jake yeah. running right center. Rover. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think so. Rover. Chaz is going to play. Chaz is going to play. These things, we, we talk about these issues, uh, of where are we going to find a place to play? Invariably, it works itself out. Yeah. One of these guys gets in and starts hitting. You know, Myers, they're going to say Myers is going to get all the run in center field. And I think he's going to get, you know, two months to figure it out. You know, I think he's going to get 200, 250 at-bats to figure it out. If he hasn't figured it out, then, you know, Jake's Jake's time here might be short. Uh, you know what you have with Chaz. And uh, the concern is if if you try to get too cute and give somebody a, a chance more so than they should, you know, you could uh, play yourself into a hole you're trying to you're trying to get out of for the rest of the season. But Spot has been around this team enough; he'll see it. He'll see the the right deci- decision to be made, and and he'll put the right guys in the spot. Jordan will play. I think at the end of the day, you're going to see Chaz and. Chaz and Myers each play about start about 120 games. Hmm. Yeah, I don't necessarily disagree. I I felt as though this was a little bit of a backpedal from the whole Jake Myers is our center fielder uh, comment that came you know six weeks ago or however long ago that was. 
um, primarily because if you're playing Jordan a lot in left field, thinking that Chaz is going to sit the bench at, or DH, it, it just doesn't make sense. And it's not something that I think Joe Espada is going to be all about. Um, so I feel as though maybe this is without saying it out loud, a little bit of a backpedal on Jake Myers is our primary center fielder comment. Right. Um, so I think what you'll end up seeing is potentially what a lot of us really wanted to see last year um, was a little bit more of the, the matchups um, and who is going to play center field, who's going to play left and what are those three guys going to rotate in based on the matchups when, you know, when Jordan is, is DHing, you know, you're going to see Chaz and uh, Jake out in the field, um, you know, but when Jordan is playing the field, that's when I think your center fielder is going to be primarily based on that right-hand pitcher, left-hand pitcher starter. Um, and so I, I do feel as though this was a little bit of a, a backpedal on the part of a spot of saying that Jake's our guy uh, and, you know, kind of putting Chaz back in center field. He's going to get center field playing time. I, I yeah. just, I think it's going to end up happening when you say that Jordan's going to play a lot more in left field than what you might've thought about previously. Well, what I've you heard know, about Espada, what I've heard about from Espada so far is that he wants people to have a set place. He wants a center fielder. He wants, you know, like he, he wants everybody to have a position. He doesn't want to do this rotating in and out. And so I don't know. It's going to be, I, I think if he's going to have Jake Myers in there and have Chaz McCormick on the bench, that is definitely a nice formula for him to follow to get his first slander on social media. Because if we, if J if Jake is starting like, like last, uh, like last year, there's no reason that Dusty should have had Chaz on the bench the first two games of the year based on what he did in the playoffs for us. So so sitting Chaz McCormick, uh, Mr. Espada, that's a formula for getting slandered. Well, I think, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of us that really paid attention to um WRC plus moving averages last year. Uh, and if you really pay attention to the 15 game moving averages of Jake Myers and Chaz McCormick. Jake Myers is a guy that performs very well with regular playing time and does not have the roller coaster ride of a moving average graph that Chaz McCormick does. And so this may be a little bit of smarts on, on Joe Espada's part, knowing that, um, that Chaz McCormick needs time off in order to be at his best, because when he moves past that 15 days, um, every single time he's got a drop off and it's not just a little bit of a drop off. It's a, yeah. it's a pretty steep drop off. Um, and Jake Myers, it, when he gets playing time over that 15 days, he lacks the drop off that Chaz has. So this, this may be some of that analytics coming back into the, into the, into the formula, into the decision-making from the dugout that we haven't seen over the last few years. And I'm a fan of it. Um, I'm all about it. But in the end, it's got to be, you know, who's the guy that's out there really performing and putting up the numbers. And so we know that Chaz can. Um, I think that those of us who uh, are still believers in Jake Myers, look at the, you know, look at those sections of time in which he was able to perform. And it was the time that he had regular playing time. It was when Chaz was out. He was a top 10 hitter in the league when Chaz was out with his back issues. Um, as go. soon as he went back to platooning with Chaz, 
uh, he, he fell off the face of the earth again. So it'll be interesting to see how a spotter really tries to handle that based on if it is based on those numbers. And if he's actually doing this and saying these things yeah. based on some of the analytics that he's looked at. Jake Myers was a stud yes. before Jake. he ran into the wall and hurt himself. I, I, I'm yeah, not sure. Myers had it. Myers must have had a really bad shoulder injury and they'll only tell us that it was that, that there, there was a, a surgery and, he was out and, you know, last year you could tell by the way he was throwing that it was, it was not back. So they must think that they must think it's back. All right. Moving along folks. So Dana Brown said the Astros are still hoping to add to the pitching staff and probably a starter is what he was saying. And one of the one of the other guys that has projected a start, they can move to the bullpen, and that takes care of one of the bullpen arms that we need. So the Astros, yeah. their their payroll is now $255 million. This is just what I got from the story from McTaggart. $255 million, the first ta- the first tax threshold was $237. The next level is $257. So if they sign anyone for over $2 million, they're going to be in that second uh, level. So anyone saying that – so he knows he's $2 million away and Jim Crane's going to be okay with giving him another pitcher, then there's no reason to ever say that Jim Crane's not going to spend cash to make this uh, this team a winner. Yeah, when you look at who's out there right now, you've got Snell, Montgomery, maybe him – Yunjin Ryu and maybe Clevenger. Yep. Yeah. I think the people that go after Snell are going to probably be very disappointed. Mm. Snell has in in his seasons in the big leagues, he's got two good seasons. You know, he had one year when he was won 21 games, he had a 189 ERA. Last year he won 14. He had a he had a 225 ERA. And all the rest of the seasons, not counting the COVID season, it was six with a 354, five with a 404, six with a 429, seven with a 420, eight with a 338. You know, he walks a lot of people. He doesn't go deep into a, in the games, and he's probably going to want $25 million a year. Montgomery has always been a solid 500 pitcher. Mm-hmm. You know, he made himself a lot of money in the um, – in the playoffs last year, uh, in the years that he's been, he's been a he he does go halfway deep into games. He'll go average between you know five and a quarter and six innings a game. It's pretty pretty consistent. Ryu came back from a from a uh, Tommy John. He didn't go deep in games, but you know it takes guys a year to get back from Tommy John. You know, I guess where I where I come down to is that it's nice to see. Uh, uh, Brown saying he's going to add a pitcher. I'm not sure where it's going to come from. Clevenger's yeah. not, not there's, anything. There's another guy on the fire. list. There's another guy on the list of the story called Lorenzen. Yeah, you know he had that no hitter for the Phillies that last year, but after that he fell completely off the off the map. Um, if he's adding a pitcher, that to me says there's a trade. That's what it says on there. That's can, the question. Be, yeah, that's going to be, be the question, right? Iterations and trades. Yeah, who's he's he got to be? It's got to be a trade because with it. I, I don't. I don't. 
you know, Crane will make the right deal, but I don't see the right deal out there just adding a, a free agent with big money, uh, especially when you look about 31, 32-year-old guys, uh, pitchers who want to go one of a five- or six-year deals. And when pitchers, when pitchers start to slide, man, they tend to slide fast. Yeah. Hey, is that Granky still available? That would be awesome. Yeah, he'd be good for he'd be good for stories, wouldn't he? That would be awesome. Put him in the <laughs> that would be, That would be a good PR move. <laughs> I would love it. Can yeah, you imagine? You know, I think I, hired, I agree with Wally. Imagine they hired Grinky onto the onto the onto the broadcast staff just to tell the weird stories. That'd be awesome. I'm yeah, all 100. percent Give me all the Grinky. Give me. That would be hilarious. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I think I, I agree with Wally. There's you go out there and you look at the free agents, the free agent starting pitch starting pitchers, free agent starting pitchers that are available. You're not going to pull anyone for less than probably eight or nine million a year. And so and when you get to that eight or nine million a year, that's who you're looking at is is you're looking at Johnny Cueto, you're looking at Rich Hill, you're looking at Michael Lawrenson, you're looking at Corey Kluber. Uh no, sorry, he just Kluber retired. retired right? today. Yeah, yeah, he just I, retired. I um you know, or Ryu, you know, those are your, those are your kind of low level guys that you're going to get for eight or nine, maybe $10 million. Anything other than that, you're looking at, um, you know, Montgomery, Clevenger, uh, Urias, uh, Blake Snell, uh, you know, so yeah. saying that you're going to go after a starting pitcher, knowing that that CBT threshold is sitting right there, $2 million away, yeah. you're going to have to dump salary in a trade and make a deal for somebody that's not out there on the free agent market. So yep. it's an interesting comment to make because the only guys that you have really to trade <clears throat> that would be a salary dump is not a long list of guys that you would really mm -hmm. want this team to yeah. trade away. Yep. So it's an interesting comment to make um, aside from the fact that Uncle Jimmy said, hey, you know what? If we go over, we go over, but you better win the dang ring, Dana. You better win the dang <laughs> yeah. ring. There's one well, good pitcher even... that they could use, and I think he's only going to cost like 700-something thousand. Spencer uh, Arigetti. Oh. <laughs> I thought you were going somewhere else. No, I'm just <laughs> – Well, even, I thought you were going to throw out – I thought you were going to throw out Trevor Bauer's name. Oh, no. Now, Tre yeah, what Arias would you say even, about that? Arias didn't – Urias isn't available to, to, to get to Bauer in a second. Is is Urias is not available because he's in legal trouble. Wow. Oh, the, is uh, he too? Okay. Yeah he he got caught hitting hitting people. Mm. Hitting. Oh, that's right. He, that's right. Yep. And he got. Is, and in fact, he just got correct. got caught again getting in a fight. Yeah. You know the thing about the not thing just about people, Bauer, but hitting his wife, right? Bauer's a PR yes. nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you'd need a lot of people to line up and say this is the right right thing to do, and and Bauer would have to be saying all the right things, and yeah. he'd have to be he'd have to be really putting himself out there and and uh, saying not just saying the right things, but saying the right things at the right people to the right people in the right forms. I mean it, and it wouldn't take but one screw up, and he'd be it would be awful. Yeah. He said he's he would a, play for he's, any team for the league minimum. So do you guys like he's think ready to anybody eat, would take him? He's like, ready to eat like crow. Who would, who would you, and, who would and, and he's ready to do just about anything to play in the major leagues again. I don't I don't know, man. I I the, just the Astros, no way the Astros could do it. No, I don't see that. I would see someone like 
I was thinking Oakland. like a team like Kansas City, Chicago White Sox, or anything. You know that. Yeah, some but bottom it's not fisher do who just needs for them. But you know what he does? Publicity. It, you know what he does if he comes in to a bottom fisher, bottom feeder. Yeah. And he does well, and he behaves well. He has an opportunity to rehabilitate his himself a little you know bit. That. There's always going to be people who don't touch him, and you can't blame them. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's probably why he's coming out saying what he's saying is, hey, I'll play for the league minimum, yeah. right? Like anybody, give me a shot. Kansas City, I'll come play. Pittsburgh, I'll come play, you know, um, because I think that if he he feels that if he can get in, um, just put it, you know, just as long as he can get in, put his toe yeah. back into the league, uh, he can prove himself. Now, whether or not that comes to fruition will, you know, would be a whole nother story. Um, personally, I don't. I don't, I don't have that big of an issue. Um, if the, if my team signed Trevor Bauer, I'd be okay with it. Um, don't have to get into all the details, but I have, I have friends who had false allegations against him, and I know exactly what that does to a man's life. He's got other issues that he works with and his attitude and, you know, all of those other pieces. But, um, I wouldn't have that big of a deal about it. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't think that big of a deal about it. Um, we signed Osuna, you know, there was a <laughs> lot of people who thought that that was going to cause a huge backlash. Um, it lasted for about three weeks and then yeah. everybody was all about Osuna being our closer and we're supporting him. Um, the only time it came Trevor back Bauer's a little bit that. more of a bigger, bigger name, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, the only time it came back with Osuna was when that Taubman guy was in the locker room, yelling yep. at the uh, woman that was always posting yep. the uh, the hotline for abused women. But other than that, he was a he was a good player. He was a he good came and did his job. And like he did his job. He wasn't an a hole. I mean, I don't know because I don't really know the entire story of Trevor Bauer, but I know he didn't get convicted of what he did. I he was mean, never charged. He was they never wouldn't charged, even fire. They would so, not even take the charges. Uh, so and then all the text messages and the videos came out. And, you know, I mean, she fabricated the whole thing. The one girl. Now, of course, supposedly yeah. there's a couple of others out there, but nobody will file charges against him. Um, and, you know, at least the main story that was going on about him has completely come out that it was all fabricated. Uh, mm-hmm. So, you know, but people don't want to hear that. Right. I understand it. Um, I, I guess I have a soft spot for for guys that are falsely accused of those yeah. types of things because I know I know some people close to me that have gone through that uh, and it ruins their lives. So oh, yeah. personally, I'd be willing to be one that uh, would be on the side of giving them a chance, but with an extremely short leash. Well, you know, one place he won't go is New York because he and Garrett Cole hate each other. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next up on the docket. Kent Emanuel, former, hope I spelled his name right. That looks right. Uh, Former Astro signed a minor league contract with the Marlins. And uh, Kent Emanuel went to uh, North Carolina in college. Really good player. Really good in the the minor leagues. Got called up to the Astros. Uh, Who was pitching? Odorizzi. Odorizzi. We already already talked about this. So, so Oda Rizzi was pitching, 
And uh, we had Ken Emanuel on the podcast here, uh, I guess, the next offseason. And he was saying, you know, he just gather, he gather all of his stuff. You see it when you go to the games, all the bullpen guys walking to the bullpen. He said, I'm just settling in, putting things down. Hadn't even taken a sip of my coffee. And they're like, you're in. Because Odorizzi got hurt. So he said he chugged it and he went in. And, and I guess, and then he said it was so weird. It was just the weirdest thing in the world to warm up in front of everybody because he didn't have the chance to warm up in the bullpen or anything. And the guy goes eight and two thirds innings. He finishes the game. It was like one of the most amazing things. And uh, I don't know what happened with him that the Astros didn't keep him around, but uh, at least he had, he had arm a trouble, be- didn't he? Is that what happened? I think he had arm trouble because he got hurt doing something. I know they DFA'd him. Yeah. Yeah. He he had UCL surgery, left elbow. So he had to, he had Tommy John uh mm. in twenty twenty one. Um and so the Phillies claimed him off of waivers and then the Pirates oh. signed him to a minor league deal last year. That was so like three now, or four years ago when this happened. His Tommy John was no, 21. The, when he went and pitched the game for the Astros. That was 21. So that was actually uh-huh. in April of 21. Um, and then in June is whenever he had his Tommy John. Wow. Time flies when you're old. It seems like it was like two seasons. It does. Ago. It doesn't uh-huh. seem like it was that long ago. Yeah. No, it doesn't. Just, you know, it, it's yeah, but three, three seasons ago. But, you know, one thing that comes up about these guys, we talk about, he's a perfect example of these guys when we think they make all this money. And a guy like in today's number, he makes 715000 which is, you know, it's a lot of money. Don't get me wrong. But when you get guys who are young and if they only make, they only uh, go two or three years, you know, they, for what they net, they can't retire on that. You don't you really don't get into a point where you can support yourself with the baseball earnings until you get at least a couple of years into arbitration. And still yeah. you have to make good investments. Can't yep. can't spend it on stupid stuff. Um, you know, it's fleeting. And if if these guys don't have a long career, many of these guys are out on the street at 26 years old without a college education trying to make a living. And you can say go back to school, which Major League Baseball play will pay for. But yeah. Then you're out of school at at 30 years old, competing with people who are 22. Yeah. Well, I wish him luck. I know that. Yeah, me too. He'll if he gets on the squad, he'll be there with Yuli. I guess Yuli's still in Miami. I haven't heard anything about that. I don't I think he's a free agent. I don't think they kept him. A free Is agent. he really? Yeah, he only had yeah, a. I, I, he only had a. Uh, well, I you mean, see how little I know about deal. You see how little I know about other teams. Yeah, he had a one-year deal, and his when we were complaining Man. about Abreu, Uli's Uli's numbers were worse. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Not at the beginning a, of the year. A, he signed a non-roster minor league deal going into the season, and then they signed him to like a one point two million dollar contract um, after week three of the season or something like that. Uh Oh, someone can't spell. I got a little Steffi going here. 
<laughs> I thought you were just trying to save us from Super uh, Bowl copyright. Take a issue. Super Bowl, folks. You did a great show. Take a Super Bowl. <laughs> no, but anyway, I got I got the. Uh, it, sound, was- it sounds like one of those bad commercials you get right about dinner time. <laughs> I'm pretty excited about the commercials. They're not as good as they used to be, but I'm pretty excited. But you remember when I was telling you about the conspiracy theory video? I don't know why it says conspiracy theory. It's not really a conspiracy, but about the number 13. What I cannot prove is that Taylor Swift had an album called 13. I can't prove that because I don't I looked it up and I don't I don't see it. But here's what here's what the video says, and it's pretty interesting. Uh Super Bowl 58 is tomorrow. Five plus eight, 13. The game is on February 11th. That's 2-11. 2 plus 11, 13. 49ers, 4 plus 9, 13. 49ers are the one seed. Kansas City are a three seed, 13. Taylor Swift's in in, uh, concert right now. She's in Tokyo. If she goes to the game, it's a 13-hour flight. And this will be her 13th game. 13th uh, game of the season so pretty crazy and brock and brock purdy's number 13 i don't know how this has anything to do with them winning but it, mm. it's just pretty interesting there was another one that said uh that's funny 100 minus 13 is 87 and that's travis kelsey's jersey but this doesn't like that's why i don't know why it says com- conspiracy it's like the chiefs are it doesn't say the chiefs are going to win because of this but I find it cool that the number 13 is just an intertwined in the Super Bowl. Big it's time. all around. It's interesting. Here's something I heard the other day that'll just blow you away. All right. Do you know how many Alabama players have scored a touchdown in the Super Bowl? Zero. Zero. I have to say I have to say either a super high number or zero because yeah. I'm supposed to zero. be zero. And it and it will not happen this year. There are no Alabama players in the Super Bowl. And you think so Alabama's going to decline after losing their coach? He's gone, right? Oh, didn't he retire? You, you, how can oh. how can you not decline from where they are? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you're at the top, yeah. you only have one way to go, and that's down. That's right. Who wins the Super Bowl? Who y'all got? I think the Chiefs are going to win. They're not. I think favored. it'll be. I, I think it'll be the Chiefs. I don't have. I don't have a dog in the fight, so I honestly don't care which one wins. Yeah. But um, I think the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs pull it off. I just hope the burgers are good because I don't have a dog in the fight either. And um, <laughs> it, it's it, something about Kansas City; they just know how to win. Yep. The thing about it is, like when Kansas City played Baltimore, because I st- I was like, the Ravens are going to go all the way. The Ravens are they're awesome this year. And the way Kansas City played, the way they executed everything, it's like, wow, th- this is the team right here. So I'm all 100%. I don't have a dog in the fight either because I like the Texans. But, uh, yeah, I think Kansas City is going to win it. I don't know by how many, but I picked Kansas City. I think we already all picked this, but um, I don't really care if it's a good – I hope it's a good game. I don't care who wins. But I'm looking forward to the commercials just as much as the game. Yeah. I'm about the food. <laughs> it's it's just one of those days of the year where you have a really good excuse to just lay out all the food that you, you do, don't right? normally eat the rest of the year or very rare occasions. So 
for for us, even if or when we have a dog in the fight or whatever here in our house, you know, I got a house full of teenagers, so it's all snack foods all day. Oh, yeah. um, and so it's a it's it's a lot of fun. That's what we do on on Super Bowl Sunday every year. It's a tradition again, whether or not we have a team that we're rooting for. So it's uh, it's fun. Looking forward to it. Yeah, we'll have friends over and we'll do we'll do burgers and we'll do, you know, chick, uh, boneless chicken, uh, skinless chicken breast and make sandwiches out of that. Drink an adult beverage or. Oh, you. yeah. I'm going to get started early because I work in the morning. <laughs> I got to yeah, go before uh, 30 in the morning. So I got to start winding down about seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we, I think we're, someone's bringing over ribs. I mean, chicken and uh, chicken wings and pizza. And my wife's making ribs. So Nice. That's what we're having. Love it. Ryan, Ryan, if you're doing, if you're doing um, any uh, chicken wings, y'all doing chicken wings tomorrow? We might. We might. Yeah. I haven't made put the some, menu put yet. Put some of that. Put some Tio Ernesto's Fuego on it. Hey, let me tell you what I did with that stuff, Wally. <laughs> this is, here's here's the Tio Ernesto's plug for the day. Uh-huh. Uh, Tio Ernesto for everybody is in Tio Ernesto's is a Cuban seasoning that I manufacture and sell through uh, a few uh, retail outlets here in Houston. You can get it online. So let me tell you, and and this was my my 16 year old daughter was the one that figured it out. I don't know what made her grab it and use it, but. She used it to make her guacamole the other day. And she used the fuego? Said, no, she used the regular one. Um, but I used the fuego and it was yeah, the fuego's awesome. It was awesome. Uh, so add that to your list of how to use this product because uh, a little bit of salt, squeeze of lime, uh, and the Tio Ernesto's, whether it's the fuego or yeah. not, will mix you up a really <laughs> good guacamole. Yeah, yeah well. What we do is the Fuegos, we, we'll take the Fuego and use it for demos at, at bearings. And for, for the guacamole, it's it's kind of a one-to-one swap out of the cilantro for the Fuego. Well, all right. It's pretty good. <laughs> Tio Ernesto. Thanks for the plug. There you are. You know commercials, uh, I'll tell you how much that commercial cost later. <laughs> um, but anyway. I'll kick it back to you. No. All right. So anyway, guys, thanks for tuning in. We have went over an hour. We're having so much fun together talking and we hope you uh, enjoyed listening to us talk half as much as we enjoyed doing the talking. So thanks for tuning in for Wally and Ryan, and we will see you next time on Astros. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly. When you place your first wager at Bet MGM, simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code champion 150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.